couple of years ago, the internet was broken by the release of a movie trailer. Avengers Endgame trailer debuted and was viewed 268 million times within 24 hours. The most popular movie trailer of all time. And it, like all great movie trailers, introduced some of the themes of the film. It created an appetite for the story to unfold and to be resolved, but it didn't reveal all of the plot points. And in many ways, what we're going to do today as we continue to press into our Warmth in the Home series is we're going to study Psalm 133, which is kind of like the movie trailer for biblical unity. It is in many ways going to introduce some of the thematic elements without giving us the full plot line. It's like a wonderful appetizer that awakens the appetite but doesn't bed it back down. This psalm for us is intended today to capture our imagination and to draw us in over the coming weeks as we keep wrestling as a community with what it means to have a home that is marked by warmth, by divine unity, by the presence of God himself. Now, Psalm 133, which we're going to study together, is a psalm that in many ways was born out of the the sting of unity's absence and the ways that a home could be cold rather than, than warm. The psalm was written by David, and David grew up in a home where he didn't live at unity with his brothers. He wasn't invited when Samuel the prophet came to the house and he was anointed whereas his brothers were passed over. And we know that when he went to visit them on the front lines of the battle, they were dismissive to him. There was tension and division within their home. David knew from the time he was a young boy what it was like to grow up in a home where brothers did not dwell together in unity. And later in life when he had his own kids, his household was marked by incest and murder and division and revolt This was a man that throughout his life tasted the sting of unity's absence. And so when he writes of brothers dwelling together in unity, it's with a heart of longing and hope and anticipation. It's also worthy to note before we plunge into our study that this is a psalm of ascents, sung by the people of God every year when they journeyed to Jerusalem together. That in the same way that David penned this, knowing the sting of unity's absence, this was sung by a people that were looking forward to and longing for unity's presence somewhere in the future. Strikes a chord even with me that it was sung by people who were waiting to gather together with the people of God in God's presence, longing for that. You see, this is a psalm that is intended to be an appetizer that awakens our hunger for and our delight in warmth in the home divine unity. And as we gather together to to walk this out, to study this and to let it find purchase in our soul, what we have to realize is that it speaks to the sting of unity's absence in our own story. Whether we're talking about brothers near or brothers far, we're we're going to wrestle with this reality of the the term brothers, and it can mean literally in your home. And we know that during this season of COVID-19, as the walls feel like they're closing in on us, as so many of us have been living and working at home and together with family or roommates, all of a sudden we can feel like roommates are a little more annoying than they've ever been. Marriage is a little more tense. Children are a little more antsy and demanding. 
And we begin to realize that warmth in the home is under attack. And in a season like this, when we're talking about specifically our address, where we lay our, be- our head down at night. But even as we discussed in the vision cast in the start of our morning, when we think brothers nationally, when we think what it means to be in community, we right now live in a divided time. A pandemic that is weaponized politically. The least of these suffering greatly. Our divides as a culture being widened because of the scenario that we are in. So we come to this text like David, like the people of God journeying to Jerusalem with a hunger for something better. Wanting to taste that appetizer, to see that trailer that we might long for a better story, for a greater feast. And so it's with that invitation that I want to invite you to come on this journey with me to see and to savor Christian community from a distance. And what we will see as we tune into this trailer, to this trailer for the film of a warm home, we're going to see that a warm home prepares you for and produces divine blessing. Well, let's turn our attention to the text, if you would. Psalm 133, permit me to remind you what the prophet Isaiah says about the scriptures. He says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Let us be a community that's wise and that comes to this text with reverence and awe to listen to what God has to say to us. Behold, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Well, in this short psalm, we get a a picture of what unity of what warmth in the home could be. And the first thing that we're going to see in verse 1 is warmth in the home seen and celebrated. Warmth in the home seen and celebrated. He says, look, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers are dwelling together in unity. It's this beautiful marriage of two words that oftentimes do not come together as a package deal. He says that when brothers and sisters, as it were, are dwelling together in unity, that it's both good and pleasant. And if we're honest, if we just pay attention to those two words, they often are neatly separated out and put into separate categories, specific categories that don't have overlap. When we think about good and pleasant, Broccoli is good for us. Ice cream is pleasant. Good workout that leaves us drenched in sweat and exhausted and gasping for breath, that's good for you. Lounging on the couch is pleasant. Entering into the grief of another with great compassion and empathy, that's a good thing. Steering clear and maintaining my happiness and ease, well, that's a pleasant thing. You see, oftentimes, good and pleasant feel like they they dwell in separate categories. But what the psalmist is saying is this. As he's starting to see warmth in the home from a distance, he says, look, look at that. It's good and pleasant at the same time. Uh, this, This last Christmas, I bought Ashley a gift that she had had her eye on for a while. And I was a little bit skeptical of it. It's, it's something called a Vitamix. It's like a blender on steroids. It weighs about 30 pounds. It sounds like an airplane taking off when you turn it on. 
And uh, that was my big gift to her on Christmas. And it has actually revolutionized our home. Pretty much every day, at some point in the day, a, a smoothie is concocted and prepared to my whole family. And we'll never know totally what it is. It's always some different color. And my boys, all three of them, will drink, including my two-year-old, Judah. And he'll always say, more movie, Mom, more movie, because he can't get enough. But what he doesn't know is that in that little cup, there's spinach and bell peppers and carrots. And it's all been masked by a little bit of sweet cherries and pineapple. And it is so good for him, but it is delicious. He can't get enough. He doesn't realize that what he's slurping in like a treat is actually the goodness that's restoring health to his bones. This is what the psalmist says about about divine unity. It's good and it's pleasant all at the same time, marvelously and miraculously. You see, when we taste it, we realize this is unlike most things in the world. When we, when we experience the warmth of living together in deep unity, we say, that is good and it's pleasant. The psalmist, for that reason, he says, behold. He says, look. It's almost like he's gathering everybody around and saying, everybody, stop, stop, stop. Look at this. Here's something that is good for you all the way down to your bones and that is delectable. And he even, something that gets lost in the ESV translation is he uses the word how twice. He says, how good and how pleasant. As if to say, not just like a little bit, but filled to the max. It's good and it's pleasant when we dwell together in unity. As we get started, I just want us to feel the nature of the psalm. Once again, it's like an appetizer. It's like a trailer. It's like an explanation of the destination without necessarily giving us the full flight pattern. In essence, what the psalmist is saying is just stop and look for a second. I want you to feel with me. If you could experience a profoundly warm home, what you will find is something that is good and pleasant. Would you see that and celebrate it with me? This is how the psalmist starts. And then he presses further. He's not just going to see and celebrate the warmth home, but he's going to describe some of the things that happen as a result. The second thing we're going to realize is this, that a warm home prepares you for divine blessing. It has a preparatory effect. This is the illustration we get in verse 2. He says it's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, who was Aaron? Aaron was the high priest, brother of Moses, ordained by God to be the one who ministered in the tabernacle and later by his successors in the temple. And he's describing here the ordination ceremony that prepared Aaron to serve God in this way. And he's saying this is a preparatory experience. This illustration for us is about how a high priest was prepared for God's work. And there are three things about the anointing of a priest that prepared him. Uh, I just want to highlight what this would have looked like. This anointing of the oil running down over Aaron's head, it was, it was aromatic. It, was, it had a beautiful, delightful aroma to it. If you were to read in Exodus chapter 30, what you would see is that this particular ointment that's being poured over Aaron's head, it, had, it was marked by sweet smelling cinnamon and aromatic cane that had been mixed by an expert perfumer. When it was poured over Aaron's head, it wasn't the sort of thing that people would draw back and go, ooh. They would, 
smell what was wafting in the wind, and they would go, oh, that's so enticing. That aroma is amazing. That he was being anointed with something in this preparatory work that was, that was enticing, that was delectable. It wasn't just aromatic, it was abundant. You heard it in the text. It says it was running down on his beard, from his head to his beard, onto the collar of his robes. The Hebrew scholars have some divide on whether or not it was on the collars of his robe or even down on the hem of his robe, on the skirts of his robe. Regardless of how we're reading it, what is being made abundantly clear by David is that when it came time to to anoint the high priest, they poured out that oil. It was running down on the head and the beard and getting all over his robes. It was messy. It was abundant. It was everywhere. And lastly, it actually accomplished something. After this moment being prayed for and anointed, the high priest was ready to serve God. Well, I believe that a warm home operates like this. This is the way that Christian community works in your life and mine. It's aromatic. It wafts on the wind. It's enticing. I recently read a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. I highly recommend it. Rosaria Butterfield, if you're not familiar with her story, is a really an amazing woman who is a professor at Syracuse University of queer theory. She was um, a lesbian and a feminist uh, and and a literary expert who was lecturing at Syracuse and began to do research about, as she describes it, the enemy, spending time in Christian community. And as she was loved and wrapped up by Christian community and began to read the scriptures and sing the Psalms in community, it was so enticing aromatic even, that the aroma drew her in. And now she has been walking with the Lord and has built a family that as she tells her story and the gospel comes with a house key, you realize that her home and her family has the same aromatic effect up and down their street. It's as if the presence of God is is wafting down the street and drawing people into a safe and beautiful place. A warm home does that. It's aromatic. And it's abundant. It is messy. And it spills over. And the way that this text says it's running down over head and beard and clothes, that when we begin to live into the warmth of community and hospitality together, it does not stay contained. When I was doing my undergraduate degree, I lived with Russell Willingham, who many of you know, and a group of other men. And we made a decision when we moved into this home together that we were going to have an open door policy. And we were going to attempt our very best to create a safe place where people could come and find healing. And I remember one day when I knew that it had finally taken root. I came home from class one day and I opened the door and walked into my home and there were three people in my house and none of them were my roommates and only one of them I recognized. They were sitting there eating, hanging out and they looked at me. A couple of them didn't know who I was. They didn't know if I was a visitor or if I lived there. And I realized that in that moment that our home, it was growing increasingly messy The community was not contained in any way, but what was happening is that people knew there's a space where I could come and be welcomed and find home and find healing. It was a beautiful experience living in this space where brothers were dwelling in unity and the warmth was abundant. It was spilling out. You see, it's aromatic, it's abundant, and it actually accomplishes something. How is it that you would be qualified, or that I could be qualified for the work of God. Do we need an ordination ceremony, a seminary degree, 
Do we need elders to publicly lay hands on us to be part of the priesthood of believers, to be disciples who make disciples? No. The qualification is love. Is your life spilling out with love that has been poured out on you from God through Jesus on to others? Then you have been qualified for the work. You're ready for the priestly work to which God has called you, that he has ordained for you. This is why in our huddles, the third question that we ask one another week in and week out is how are you doing loving those that are entrusted to you to love? We actually believe that the export, the export, capital T-H-E, of the Christian life is love. And so we recognize this reality that a warm home operates like the anointing of the high priest. It's aromatic and it's abundant and it actually is the thing that, that accomplishes us. It, it, it actually prepares us for the priestly work that God has for us. So just before we we press into our final point, let me just pause and invite you to take inventory. Would you describe the community that you're living in, those closest to you, your closest friends, closest community, your roommates, your spouse, your children, would you describe it in this way? Are you experiencing this? Or, Or said another way, where is it lacking? Where are you aware that You know, this has an odor to it, but it may not be the sort that entices others to step in. That that in some ways it's not abundant because we we just kind of put a drop here and there because we're too busy to just be lavished in this reality. Would you pause and consider what would it look like for you to repent of the ways that the Christian community doesn't look like the trailer of what God has designed it for? Well, A warm home prepares us for divine blessing, but that's not it. In verse 3, we see this, that a warm home also produces the divine blessing. It's as if, as we're moving through this psalm, we, we could think, okay, I've been prepared by living in community and experiencing warmth in the home. I'm now prepared to be used by God. Love is beginning to be the export of my life. And you go, okay, what now do I need to go do to actually produce fruitfulness? Well, verse 3 shows us that what do we need to go do? The very same thing we've already been doing. Live into the beauties of warmth and the home. Verse 3 says it like this. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. He's saying this, that when we're living together in this sort of unity, it's like the heavy dew coming down from on high. Mount Hermon was the the highest mountain just north of Israel. And he's envisioning from those those brisk heights of that mountain a cool, delightful, heavy dew that settles across the land while everyone is sleeping. And they wake up in the morning realizing that everything has been saturated. And as a result, it is prepared to flower and to flourish. You see, the fruitfulness of this land was not accomplished by creating an irrigation system or by bailing buckets of water and hauling them here and there. He was saying, no, no, no. When you live together in this good and pleasant unity, when you taste warmth in the home, the fruitfulness and the productiveness actually happens while you're resting. If we live with a warmth in the home, we go and we, we sleep. And while we're sleeping, the heavy duty, the heavy dew from on high comes and lays across the land and prepares it for life forevermore. The idea is this, that as we together as a community make a decision 
We are going to set our gaze on true hospitality and love and humility together in our homes and together as a body. We're not going to let the decisions that we need to make in the coming weeks and months divide us, even though we're all going to have very different opinions on how best to move forward. We're not going to let the political narrative of the landscape settle in and rip apart the family of God. We're not going to get distracted and discouraged by things that are secondary or ter- that, are, that are way down the list uh, on, on what is most important. That we are a people that say we are going to cultivate warmth in our homes. This sort of unity that we're seeing in the, in the trailer of divine unity. And we're going to start to hunger for that greater story. When we taste this appetizer, we're going to hunger for that greater feast. As we say, living together in that way with mutual understanding and unity, that's what produces great harvest, bubbling up life forevermore. Well, as we watch this trailer, as we taste this appetizer I know that it doesn't give us all the how-to. We don't get the full flight path. And I'm going to invite you to stay on this journey with us as we study the scriptures and wrestle with how do we lay hold of this sort of unity in practical ways in all of our various relationships. But this morning, before we close, as as we consider this trailer, I want just for a moment to examine the hero. The hero of the narrative that's being sketched out for us because there is one who came And he is the one that makes this possible. He was the son of David. The son of David who also knew the sting of unity's absence. Jesus Christ, when he came on the scene, he would have sung this song with his disciples as he was walking towards Jerusalem, singing of what a blessing it would be for brothers to dwell together in unity, knowing that on his final journey to Passover, he was going to walk into Jerusalem and not taste the unity of brothers dwelling together, but he was going to taste division and heartache and enmity and strife and hatred. And when he arrived in Jerusalem after having sung this song on the night that he was betrayed, he washed his disciples' feet and he said, I'm leaving you a final qualification. This is what is going to prepare you to be my disciples, that you love one another, that you do what you've seen in me. I've modeled it for you. I've embodied it. I've served you. I've taught you about it. Now go and do likewise in the midst of the world. And even though Jesus was marked by love and poured out out his love that night, He was teaching them about love, and the next day he was dismantled by hatred. You see, his harvest was not life, as this text says. It was death. He was broken by division so that you and I could taste the great joys of unity and life forevermore. You see, the invitation as we go on this journey towards a warm home is to set our gaze on the true hero to worship the son of David together who has paved a way for us to experience otherworldly unity, to have homes that are marked by warmth. And so we're going to go on this journey with our eyes on the hero. And as we do, we're going to feast on the greater meal. We're going to, to enjoy the greater narrative as we experience warm homes that prepare us for divine blessing and produce the divine blessing of life forevermore. Let me pray for us. So gracious God and Father, we are a people that that know the sting of unity's absence. 
Some of us, even now, as we bend and pray, we, we feel the tension. Some of us, we, we need to have a conversation with the person sitting on the couch with us right now as we're praying. That there's been coldness in the way that we've spoken to a roommate or a spouse. That this trailer does not look like the introduction to our story, but some distant, different story. I pray that even now, God, you would work repentance and brokenness down into our bones. That we would ask you to forgive us and to give birth to a different story. And God, I pray that for anyone right now that's watching and that's listening that has not placed their faith in Jesus, that right now, as they long for the greater story, as you right now have a longing in your heart for something better and truer, I just want to invite you to place your trust in the one who loved you and was willing to be pulled apart by enmity and strife to offer you the gift of unity. Trust in his completed work. Receive his love so that you can share that love with those around you. God, we want to be that sort of community. Help us to taste warmth in the home, more so today and in the coming weeks as we sit at your feet. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.